Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 20, Chapter 10, Part 1. Sensors are going crazy, Matthew said. What's going on, Shiner? We are picking up all of the movement in the wasteland, Shiner responded. All of those readings are debtors? UEC and citizen zombies? Matthew asked. I can't believe I just said citizen zombies. Yes, all of the dead walk now, converging on the UDC stronghold. They have been called. I'm so going to put my boot in the outsider's ass when I get there, Matthew growled. If we can separate, that is, Shiner said. Yeah, yeah, don't remind me. The smell in this cockpit is reminder enough, Matthew complained. Bishop Weibel held his head in his hands, his shoulders shaking. Deacon Montoya looked over his shoulder, concerned. Bishop? Your Grace, are you okay? The deacon asked. Weibel looked up, tears streaming down his cheeks, but a huge grin on his face. He was laughing, almost uncontrollably. Oh, deacon, I've never been more okay in my life! The bishop wiped his eyes, getting himself under control. You know what this means, don't you, Montoya? Um, no, your grace, I do not, Montoya responded, honestly confused and worried. It means no more bowing to that pubescent pervert. I am now archbishop. How are the stealth systems holding out? Matthew asked Shiner, still not quite understanding the modifications that Shiner had made to make the mech invisible to sensors. 100% capacity, Shiner answered. We will be able to arrive at the stronghold, undetected, as long as we stay off the relay net. Then let's stay off, Matthew said. I am uncertain of what we shall accomplish once we are there. We cannot disengage from each other, and we will be spotted visually if we get too close. Yeah, well, we'll figure that out once we get there. Matthew responded, there's always a solution. Are we almost there, Montoya? 
Weibel asked, standing directly behind the deacon, staring out into the wasteland. I am the mood to celebrate my ascension with a nice military victory. Censors show the mech heathens just over the ridge, your grace. I mean, your holiness, the deacon answered. Archbishop Weibel clapped his hands with joy. Oh, Montoya, it's like God's music to my ears. Archbishop, praise the true disciple for smiling upon me. The archbishop clapped Montoya on the shoulder, then returned to his seat. Now, what about reinforcements? The UDC and Disciple Army are close behind, Your Holiness. Um, hey, guys, Jenny said, her brow furrowed. Are these readings right? Marin leaned over and looked at the vid screen. Shit, there must be a hundred thousand of them or more. What the fuck? Fucking dead or army, just like the one from Foggy Bottom, Masters answered over the comm. They must be from the closest city-state. Yeah, well, they're heading right for our people, Jay said, joining in the conversation. I know our folks are good, but they aren't kill a hundred thousand good. Then I guess we need to hurry, Marin said, pushing the train's throttle to full. Jethro turned from his console and watched as Harlow, Caprizi, and Thermopolis carried Bisbee into the transport. Jesus, is he going to be all right? I don't know, Thermopolis answered, yanking down a bunk from the transport wall. I cauterized the wound, but he has lost a lot of blood. Caprizi and Harlow carefully placed Bisbee in the bunk. The mech pilot groaned, sweat beating about his face. Thermopolis pulled a chair close, opened her med kit, and started to roll up her sleeve. What you doing, Doc? Harlow asked. I'm the only one with his blood type, she answered, swabbing her arm. The transports came to a stop at the top of the ridge. Why haven't they spotted us? Archbishop Weibel asked. The geothermal vents below the surface are interfering with the sensors, your holiness, Deacon Montoya responded. It's given us the element of surprise. Good, Deacon, as it appears our new allies failed in destroying the pilots and their mechs, Weibel said, placing Binox to his eyes and focusing on the Skinner corpses. But then no one would expect savages to be very effective. He lowered the Binox. We, however, are not savages. Take us down there, Montoya. Yes, your holiness. Jethro turned away as Thermopolis inserted the wide-gauge needle into her vein. She set a container at her feet and let her blood fill it. Damn, Doc, that's a bedside manner, Jethro joked, trying to fight back nausea. Harlow looked from Bisbee's ashen face to Commander Caprizi's sour expression. What's the plan, Commander? We're down a mech pilot and without our allies. Still wanting to make a stand? Before the Commander could answer, Jethro gasped. Holy fuck! We've got company! He turned to the others. Rancher transports five minutes out. Guess that answers that, Caprizi said, stepping past Harlow. Yo, Jethro, Jay called over the comm. Yeah, boss, Jethro responded. Looks like you have quite a few hostiles heading your way. Yeah, we just picked them up, Jethro said. I'm losing my touch. I should have adjusted better for the geothermal interference. What the fuck are you talking about, boy? These aren't anywhere near you. Huh? What are you talking about? The debtor army and UDC transports coming right at you. We're going to overtake them and try my new toy on a bigger scale. But you folks should think about moving. Oh, that's fucking great, Jethro grumbled.
Caprizi climbed the leg of Bisbee's mech, quickly reaching the cockpit. Um, what the hell are you doing? Harlow yelled up at the commander, having followed him from the transport. Getting ready for battle, he answered nonchalantly. We were down a mech pilot. We aren't any more. Harlow tapped her calm. Hey, Rach, you want to talk some sense into your father? Rachel laughed. You kidding? He's already in the fucking mech. You honestly think he can be talked out? Bisbee's mech took two steps back, then stumbled slightly forward. Sorry, Caprizi apologized. It's been a while. Fucking classic, Harlow muttered. Um, Commander? Not now, Jethro. I really need to concentrate on getting my mech legs back, the commander said. Yeah, well, Jay just calmed. We've got a debtor army not far behind the ranchers, sir. Shit, Caprizi swore. How many? At least a hundred thousand, sir. Caprizi powered up his weapons while watching Harlow settle into her cockpit. He turned his attention on Rachel, seeing his daughter bouncing her mech from one foot to the other in anticipation of the coming battle. Get out of here, Jethro. We'll hold off the ranchers. You just get Thermopolis and Bisbee a safe distance away. Are the disciples ready for glory, Montoya? Archbishop Weibel asked, strapping body armor on over his robes. Yes, your holiness. All transports have reported they are ready to release their disciples upon your order. Wonderful. Tell them to anoint the damn mechs at their discretion. Yes, your holiness, the deacon said. I have transferred our weapons control to your seat, your holiness. I, I assumed you want to experience the glory of this battle firsthand. Delightful assumption, Montoya. You know me so well. Having secured his body armor, the archbishop returned to his seat and activated the weapons systems. Doc, I'm going to have to ask you to strap in, Jethro said as he readied the transport for evac. We're bailing. What about the others? If they get wounded, they'll need me, the doctor said, securing the blood dripping into Bisbee's arm. If they get wounded, then it's already too late, Jethro responded. It's about to get very hairy around here, and a non-combat doctor, one-armed mech pilot, and a wheelchair-bound mechanic are just going to get in the way. Trust me, Doc, we need to put some distance between us and the shit that's about to go down. Timson stepped into the engine control room. I've got my best medic checking on your pilot and the boiler boy, he said to the rookie. They're both dehydrated and pretty banged up, but should be fine. Good to hear, the rookie responded. They're both lucky to be alive. Um, aren't we pushing it a little hard? Timson asked, noticing the throttle position. What's the hurry? About twenty minutes from the tail end of a debtor army, Marin answered. We're going to test the disc's full capabilities. Are the tracks clear? Timson asked, alarmed, because at this speed, it'll suck to crash. Let's go say hello, Caprizi said over the comm. No need to wait here. With that, he piloted his mech into a dead run towards the rancher transports. Right there with you, Papa Bear, Rachel called. Let's send these wasteland fucknuts to the glory they so desperately want. Harlow shook her head and piloted her mech after them, weapon system at full. This is just great, she said. What's that? Rachel asked. Now I have two fucking caprizies to look after. The commander's mech stumbled again, toppling and rolling to a stop. Sorry, Caprizi shouted. I've got this. Harlow sighed. All transports full stop, the archbishop commanded as he watched Caprizi's mech fall. What are they playing at, Montoya? I'm not sure, your holiness, the deacon answered. It may be some sort of diversionary tactic. 
Could there be more mechs about? Maybe they have other allies we are not aware of. It's hard to say with the sensor interference. The Archbishop thought for a moment. Send out three transports. Let's see if they have a trap ready to spring. Yes, Your Holiness, Montoya said, sending the orders. The three closest transports sped out towards the mechs, ready for battle. We've got incoming, Harlow yelled. Get your ass off the ground, sir. Caprizi stood his mech upright and took a moment to center himself. He slowly flexed his fingers, then made a fist with each mech hand. He tried a couple of practice jabs, followed by a right uppercut. Okay, I still got it. Four RPGs flew past his cockpit towards the onrushing transports. Them's some good moves, Papa Bear, but there's an easier way than the old one, too, Rachel said, trying not to laugh. The transports initiated countermeasures, taking out the RPGs. You were saying? Caprizi mocked. Well done, Montoya, well done, Archbishop Weibel commended the deacon. Please pass that on to the other transports. Yes, Your Holiness, Montoya responded. How shall we retaliate? Hmm, I believe they haven't seen our plasma guns. Let's show them, shall we? Wise choice, Your Holiness, the deacon said. I'll coordinate the others. Montoya activated his comm and sent instructions to each of the other transport drivers. He tapped at his console and readied the guns. Just awaiting your orders, Your Holiness. The archbishop stared out the windshield at the charging mechs. Teach them about power, deacon. With pleasure, Montoya grinned. What well, the fuck are those? Harlow called over the comm as four small cannons per transport became active. They look like little plasma cannons. The cannons began to fire rapidly, sending small bolts of plasma at the mechs. Shit! They are plasma cannons! Harlow yelled, tucking her mech into an evasive roll. She positioned her transition from roll to leap so that she landed her mech directly in front of one of the three transports, bringing her left foot down on the front, smashing the driver and anyone in the transport's cockpit into a pulp. She ground down for good measure. Two plasma bolts found their mark, knocking Caprizi's mech onto its back. The commander shook his head and assessed the damage. Damn, that was exhilarating! Confident all systems were go, Caprizi kicked back upright, ducking and dodging more blasts as he charged the closest transport. Reaching the transport, Caprizi lashed out, swiping two of the plasma cannons from their transport's side. He threw a right hook, punching a hole in the armor plating. Instantly, zombies streamed from the transport's hold and clambered up his mech's arm. Ah! They're like ants! Get them off! Caprizi heard Rachel laughing over the calm. Weibel groaned. They're not impressed, Montoya. The archbishop stood and grabbed the comm. All transports, anoint the battlefield. Loose the disciples upon the heathens. I want chaos. I want anarchy. We will have victory over these mech devils, or I will personally make sure every last one of you knows the shame and damnation of a headshot. You will never attain the glory of becoming a disciple. Weibel threw the comm handset towards Montoya, forcing the deacon to duck. Oh, quit your flinching. That threat includes you, Montoya. You had better start acting like one of God's warriors. Holy fuck, where do they keep all that shit? Rachel shouted as the rancher transport sprayed gallons upon gallon of blood and awful at the mechs and upon the wasteland ground. I mean, Jesus, that's just wrong. Don't let it get on you. It's like a fucking debtor magnet, Harlow warned. Yeah, too late for that, Caprizi responded, still plucking zombies from his mech. He threw them back at the transports, their rotten bodies exploding against the metal, adding more gore to the scene. 
At once, all transports dropped their rear ramps, and dozens of zombies poured forth from each. Jethro hit the throttle, and the transport shot forward, away from the action. How's Biz doing back there, Doc? His color is improving. He needs another pipe, but I don't think I have it in me, the Mompolis responded. Yeah, don't kill yourself, Jethro said, watching the rear vid feeds as the mechs engaged the ranchers. I do need you to do me a favor, though. What's that, Jethro? Four is still out in the waste. Now that I don't need it to be my relay, we could really use the backup. I need you to bring it to us. We're approaching the debtors, Jenny announced, her eyes on the scanner. Five minutes. All right. Masters? Marin called. Yeah. What you need? Masters responded. When we hit the button, every zombie in our way will go down. We've got a laser cow catcher in front that can handle the bodies. I need you to make sure there aren't any transports on the tracks. Otherwise, we're fucked. No problem, Masters said. What the hell is a cow? The rookie asked. The others stared at him blankly. Boiler, remember? Education wasn't a priority. The cow goes moo, kid! Masters jibed over the Kong. How do you not know what a cow is? Jay asked, double-checking the sonic disk systems. Fuck you, Rind, the rookie responded over the comm. I've heard of them, but no one has ever explained what they are. You've never seen a picture, Jay asked, enjoying the ribbing the rookie was getting. Not even when you were in Foggy Bottom? I was more concerned with the fight cage than flipping through fucking picture books, the rookie said annoyed. Have you ever seen one? Well, of course not. They've been extinct for hundreds of years. But I know what one is. They are in sight, Jenny shouted. Stay calm, just keep your eye on the controls, Timson said. Jay, everything ready? Yep, just wait for my mark, Jay responded. Gotcha, the rookie said. I'm out front and ready to clear some tracks, Masters joined in. We've been spotted. Several transports are turning about, Jenny answered. Don't worry, we're almost there, Marin said. An alarm sounded and Jenny gasped. They're locking missiles! Jay, we're kind of pushing it here. Timson said urgently. Just hold on. Wait for it. Wait. Now! Jay ordered. The rookie activated the disc and they all felt the pressure. From his vantage point high above, Masters watched in astonishment as the sonic blast spread out and the debtors fell. Hot damn! He crowed. I'm shooting you the vid feed. Check that out! I hope that cow catcher works because the tracks are now littered with down debtors. Oh, it works, Marin responded. You just take care of the transports. In two easy strides, Master Stomper was at the first transport. The mech lifted the vehicle easily and tossed it out of the way, far into the wasteland. Is this like playing with toys? Stomper asked. Hell yeah, Masters responded enthusiastically. So, what am I doing? Thermopolis asked, sitting down at the mini-mech controls. Really? Not a whole lot. Jethro said, just watch the vid feed and make sure he doesn't get into any trouble. He, Thermopolis asked with a smile. He, it, whatever. I'm a mechanic. I anthropomorphize my toothbrush. So what kind of trouble am I looking for? Mainly dead mechs, ranchers, or other UDC. If you see that, then I need to take it out of auto drive and put it into battle mode. It can fight on its own? Not well. It's really just a prelude to self-destruct. 
Holy shit, I missed this, Caprizi hollered. I forgot about the power. He slammed his fist into another transport, opened fire with his plasma cannon, cooking everything inside, living and undead, to a crisp. Fuck yeah. Careful there, Mr. Cocky, Rachel warned. Watch your backside, you've got two transports coming around at you. Caprizi lifted the scorched transport before him, spun and tossed the burning husk at the attacking transports. Both of the vehicles expertly swerved out of the way and accelerated. Caprizi's eyes widened as six missiles launched and rocketed towards him. Um, a little help, he pleaded. Damn it, Papa Bear, Rachel cursed, trying to crush, burn, and blast as many zombies as possible. Get your shit together. Caprizi closed his eyes, centering his thoughts. Papa Bear, you there? Rachel called, concern tinging her voice. Yeah, baby girl, just getting my shit together, the commander answered, remembering my place. Caprizi glanced at his weapon systems and grinned. Did I ever tell you I was the best fucking shot in the wasteland when I was your age? I'm not sure this is the time for stories of the old days, Rachel responded. How about I show you then? Caprizi smiled. Transfer weapons control to my seat, Deacon. Do it now, Archbishop Weibel ordered. I grow tired of these heathens. Um, I have, your holiness, Montoya responded. Of course you did, Montoya. Weibel said, settling himself and bringing up the transport's weapons control system. Now, let's wreak glorious vengeance upon these devils. The archbishop activated missile targeting. He centered his crosshairs upon Harlow, took careful aim, and fired. Hallelujah, he cried, watching the projectile speed towards its target. And God said, let there be death. He did, your holiness? Montoya asked, confused. I'm the archbishop. God says whatever I say, he says. Proximity klaxons blared in Harlow's cockpit. Fuck! She yelled, watching the Archbishop's missile rocket towards her. She kicked a handful of zombies at the missile, hoping to knock it off course, but they bounced off the metal shell without any effect. Shit! Looking for the closest transport, she pushed her mech as fast as she could, hoping that timing would be on her side. Plasma bursts impacted her mech's exoskeleton, adding new warning sounds to her cockpit's already cacophonous alarms. The smell of scorched metal told her she took more damage than she liked, but she pushed past it, determined. Um, your holiness, Deacon Montoya warned. The trajectory of the missile. Hush, Montoya, I'm trying to savor the moment, the archbishop barked. But, sir, the transport. But Montoya couldn't finish as Weibel leapt to his feet and smacked the deacon upside the head, knocking the man's head back, making him lose control of the transport for a moment. Sir, I am the Archbishop, Weibel screamed directly into Montoya's ear. You will address me as such at all times. The deacon slowly reached up and rubbed his face, keeping his eyes averted. My apologies, Your Holiness. The heat of battle. Harlow leapt over the rancher transport. She could hear her hydraulics groan as she executed an aerial spin, twisting her mech about, opening fire on the missile with her 50 millimeters. For a split second, she thought she missed and was more alarmed at that mistake than of being blown to pieces. But all thoughts of ego left her as the missile exploded and the large caliber rounds found their mark. She tucked her mech's legs and rolled as she hit the ground on the other side of the transport, letting the rancher vehicle shield her from the missile's detonation. The archbishop fumed as he watched Harlow manage to both avoid and detonate the missile he had fired. 
The metal heathen will pay, he hissed. Your holiness? We have four transports destroyed and two crippled, Deacon Montoya reported reluctantly, expecting more of the archbishop's anger to be taken out on him. What about our reinforcements? The archbishop asked angrily. When can we expect them? Soon, your holiness, but they have been delayed. Delayed? Why in heaven's name would they be delayed? More mechs, your holiness. And railers, Montoya responded. Railers? Railers? Train trash is holding up my glory? Weibel roared. God damn it, they're up again, Jay yelled. That was 60 seconds shorter this time. 60 fucking seconds! Whoa, calm down, Jay, Master said. They went down and that's what matters. So the sonic frequency doesn't blow their heads off. It does give us an advantage though, right? Not if they're adapting, Jay responded angrily. 60 seconds! And these are different debtors. That means that their tech is adjusting, communicating, changing the physiology of their brains across the board. We'll be lucky to have three or four more uses before the disc is useless. Well, I'd rather have three than none, Master said. Can they catch up? Timson asked, watching the view of the debtor army fade as the railer train continued on. No, not at their pace, Marin asked. They seem to only have one marching speed. Well, that's good. Timson said. What's our ETA on the other mechs? Not sure, Jenny responded. Readings are all over the place. We're picking up some type of geothermal interference below us, playing havoc with the scanners. The first letter in ETA is estimate, Timson snapped. Just give me something. Soon. How's that for an estimate? Jenny snapped back. That works fine, Timson replied. Caprizi watched as four of the RPGs he launched at the attacking missiles hit home. Metal and plastic rained down, littering the ground with smoldering debris. That's how that's done, he cheered, but he cut the celebration short as his sensors still picked up two incoming missiles. The second the first one appeared, he took it out with a perfectly timed plasma blast. Unfortunately, Amendi didn't have time to fire on the next missile, so he instinctively lashed out, punching the missile and changing its course, sending it directly into a rancher transport. And that's how that's done! Three more transports lost, Your Holiness, Deacon Montoya announced. And the disciples? Are they not holy enough to overpower the mechs? The Archbishop asked, enraged. Does God not shine down upon us today, or has the devil himself ascended from hell to aid these metal-worshipping infidels? The disciples have been destroyed, Your Holiness. I am sorry, but the mech pilots are trained for this. We are not. Coward! Defeatist! Weibel raged, slamming his fist down again and again. I will have your tongue! But Montoya never heard the rest, as several 50-millimeter slugs pierced the windshield and his body. Harlow cursed as her 50-millimeters overheated, grinding to a halt. She stared out her cockpit at the transport she had just fired upon and readied plasma charges. Something inside the transport caught her eye, and she took a moment to focus her vid on the driver before she tossed some hot death its way. Son of a bitch, she muttered as she watched Archbishop Weibel yank the corpse of Dinkin Montoya out of the seat and take it himself. He glared up at the mech, his lips moving and his face red with anger. Oh, you are mine, Harlow sneered. Archbishop Weibel spat and screamed curses at the looming mech until his voice was hoarse. You will not have the privilege of my demise, 
he shouted while taking the transport's controls. He whipped the ungainly vehicle about and sped away from the mech. I am the Archbishop, he continued. I am the incarnation of the Father, the Son, and the true disciple upon this plane of existence. I will not be murdered by heathens. God will grant me the glory to avenge his name, to war again another day. He launched all missiles and fired all aft cannons at Harlow. Harlow moved like the wind, a 50-ton, infuriated wind. Fuck you, she bellowed, ducking past missiles and dodging cannon fire. She fired the last of her RPGs behind her, hoping they'd act as decoys for the missiles' tracking. The cannon shell impacted before her, and her mech shuddered, but she refused to slow, pushing through the concussion as she pursued the archbishop's transport. Uh-uh, you're not getting away today, motherfucker. She pumped her legs to their limits and quickly gained ground on the transport as she flexed her giant metal fists, ready to crush some rancher ass. The Archbishop slammed his hands against the transport's controls. Move! Faster, you hunk of evil! He glanced at his rear vid feed at the pursuing mech. His instruments indicated he was out of ammunition. He grabbed the comm in frustration. Who is still aboard? Um... Just Quackenbush and myself, your holiness, a tinny voice responded. We already released the disciples. The hold is empty. And who are you? the archbishop demanded. Sweeten, your holiness. Well, Sweeten, are you and Quackenbush ready for your honor and duty? Um, yes, your holiness, Sweeten responded weakly. Excellent. Open the rear ramp, Weibel commanded. What the hell? Harlow said aloud as the transport's rear ramp opened and two ranchers stumbled down it, rolling to a stop on the ground as the transport never slowed. Harlow's first intention was to stomp the ranchers into the ground, but the reflection of metal made her zoom in on the two men. She was glad as she did as the vid revealed dozens of fractal grenades strapped to their bodies. The two men stared at her approaching mech, their mouths moving in silent prayer. As she neared, they both pulled the pins out of as many grenades as they could. Quackenbush's eyes widened as the mech leapt. He would never know the mech's fate as his was sealed by the detonation of all 31 grenades secured to his trembling body. Harlow knew her timing would be close, so when the suicide ranchers went off, she braced herself. Instantly, her world flipped about, head over heels as the force of the concussions tossed her mech end over end. She landed on her knees, stumbled to her feet, and grinned murderously, knowing she had been lucky. Her legs' hydraulics protested, though, as she continued her pursuit. I said not today, motherfucker. Where the fuck is she going? Caprizi yelled, watching the distance grow as Harlow continued her pursuit. Rachel sprang into the air, coming down feet first onto an oncoming transport, crushing the cargo area, nearly splitting the thing in two. She sent thousands of 50mm rounds inside to finish off whoever lived through the impact. Have you tried her calm? She asked, kicking the smoking wreckage away. Gee, I didn't think of that, Caprizi quipped. Of course I did. She isn't answering. It may have been damaged. Want me to go after her? No. Stay here and clean up, Caprizi responded. Archbishop Weibel lashed out at the vid screen, his fist fracturing the screen and distorting the image of Harlow's still-pursuing mech. He looked about him, desperate to figure out some way to attack. Seeing nothing, he contemplated martyrdom, but those thoughts were shoved aside as a proximity alarm echoed around him. 
Unfamiliar with the controls, he scanned the panels, trying to find the source, but movement directly in the transport's path made the search unnecessary. Maybe a quarter mile off, heading straight for him, was another mech, and Weibel could tell this one was a demon. A dead mech. Oh, you gotta be shitting me, Harlow swore, seeing the incoming debtor. She wasn't sure what angered her more, the fact that she now had a debtor to deal with or the fact that the dead mech might reach Weibel first and kill the son of a bitch before she could. Hey, guys, she called over the comm. We've got company, something a little bigger and deadlier than those pussy-ass ranchers. She was answered by static. Um, guys? Nothing. Fuck! I'm going to kick Jethro's ass for not building a better comm system. This shit never fucking works. Jethro monitored the chatter between Caprizi and Rachel. Everyone okay? Themopolis asked. Yeah, sounds like Harlow's calm's out, though. I'm sure I'll hear about that, he responded. How's our little guy doing? Four is managing the terrain just fine, Themopolis said. Can I step away and check Bisbee? You bet, Doc. Themopolis got up from the mini-mech controls and walked back to Bisbee's unconscious form. The transport lurched suddenly, and she almost toppled onto the wounded mech pilot. Jesus, Jethro! Careful! She stopped immediately when she turned to berate the mechanic. Jethro's body was slumped over the control panel. Jethro? Harlow barreled down on the Archbishop's transport. She was surprised he hadn't altered his course away from the dead mech. But then, if he was smart, he'd turn away at the last second, letting the debtor get as close to her as possible, knowing the thing would change its focus and come at her. A few more yards and Harlow was proven correct as the transport swerved, leaving nothing but open space between the two behemoths. Harlow tried to launch her plasma charges, but nothing happened. Her console told her the grenade blasts had shorted all weapons. Shit, she cursed. Jethro? Jethro! The doctor screamed, rushing to the collapsed mechanic's side. Oh, dear God! She carefully lifted his head off the control console and gasped. Blood was dripping from his nose and both ears. Jethro, can you hear me? I don't feel too good, he whispered. I smell fruit. Is that good? No, Jethro, that's not good, she answered. Demopolis helped Jethro out of his wheelchair and onto the floor of the transport. She checked his pulse and pupil dilation, happy with neither result. A shudder made her fall back and she quickly realized no one was driving the transport. Looks like you and I are going to have to duke this out, Harlow said aloud, watching the dead mech charge. She stopped and planted her feet, arms up and ready. The dead mech roared and Harlow shivered at the inhuman sound coming from the debtor's loudspeaker. Ten steps, six, four, and Harlow spun, letting the dead mech fly by. She planted a roundhouse kick directly into the debtor's back, sending the machine sprawling. The impact shook her mech, but she didn't hesitate, springing into action. She brought her fist down, but only hit dirt as the dead mech rolled away. Thermopolis took the driver's seat and stared helplessly at the transport's controls. Jethro, I don't know what to do, she cried. Eat the butterflies. They taste like rocks and axle grease. Rich in healthy vitamins, Jethro said deliriously. She tapped the comm. Hello? Commander? Rachel? Anyone? Help! Jethro's down and I don't know how to drive this fucking thing. Doctor, this is Caprizi. What's your situation? Themopolis glanced at the windshield and nearly pissed herself. Oh, God, 
I think I'm heading straight for a canyon. Please help. Okay, stay calm. Do you see the control stick? Yes? Good. Grab it. Caprizi watched Rachel take on the last rancher transport. You got this, baby girl? Yeah, Papa Bear. You help them. Okay, Doctor. You with me? Yes, Commander, Thermopolis responded over the comm. Okay, I want you to yank back on the control stick. This will slow you down. Okay, we're slowing, but not much. Now you're going to need to hit the emergency braking system. Whatever you do, do not turn the transport once you hit the brakes, or you'll flip the thing. Gotcha. Where are the brakes? E-brake is a large black and yellow button. Hit it. Thermopolis slammed her palm on the emergency brake button, and the transport groaned and protested as all wheels locked up at once. She watched in horror as the edge of the canyon got closer and closer with every passing second. She closed her eyes and screamed. She felt a bump and a lurch, then stillness. Doctor? Doc! Answer me! Caprizi yelled over the calm. Calming herself down, she opened one, then both eyes. All she could see was empty space leading to the other side of the canyon. She checked her vid feeds, and then she really did pee herself. The dead are kicked out, connecting with Harlow's left knee, knocking her mech to the ground. Warnings blared, and she saw her already weakened hydraulic system redline. Fuck, she swore, but had no time for anything else as the dead mech lashed out with its other leg, slamming its giant foot into Harlow's midsection. Her mech toppled back, and nearly every alarm the mech had went off. Oh, no. Her face turned white. The plasma charges she had tried to launch earlier were now armed and ready, but the deployment hatches were not opening. She pounded at the controls desperately. Doctor, you're on my scope and I'm heading your way, Caprizi called. That's a very good thing, Commander, because while the transport did stop, I don't think all of it is on the ground, Thermopolis responded. Please hurry. I'm just a few minutes off. Hold tight. Thermopolis chuckled nervously. Not a problem. She gripped her seat with all her strength, her knuckles cracking from the strain. The transport wobbled up and down slightly as an updraft from the canyon caught the front end hanging over the edge. I hate the wasteland, Thermopolis whispered. I like cheese, Jethro whispered in return. Harlow brought her arm up and blocked the dead mech's attack. She could see the zombie pilot inside its cockpit, and the thing looked well-fed. Fucking great. It's a natural killer. Harlow rolled to the side and kept rolling, trying to put as much space between her and the deader. More alarms added to the cacophony. Fucking now what? she shouted. Her scanner warned her of a sheer drop-off, fifty yards away. She stopped her roll and pushed her mech to its unsteady feet. That information I can actually use. She backed towards the drop, setting her trap. Okay, okay, I can do this, Thermopolis said over and over as she slowly got up and carefully kneeled next to Jethro, very aware that any extra movement could send the transport plummeting to the canyon floor. Hey there, teddy bear, Jethro said, reaching up to stroke Thermopolis's face. Can I have some candy now? The doctor took Jethro's hand in hers and held it tight. No candy right now, mechanic. Just rest. Jethro narrowed his eyes menacingly. No candy? Who ate all the candy? Was it Bisbee? 
Oh, that overgrown monkey! Shh, Jethro, quiet. Save your strength, Thomopolis soothed. The debtor came straight for her. She knew she would need to time her move perfectly or the dead mech would catch on and stop before going over the edge. All alarms ceased except for one, the detonation warning. Her systems were so messed up that the armed plasma charges were about to explode on their own. That throws a fucking wrinkle in things, she grunted, grabbing her pack, long blades and carbine. She strapped everything on and popped the cockpit, ever aware of the debtor only yards away. She tossed a safety line out of the cockpit and repelled. Caprizi dove for the transport, its front end finally tipping the balance. His mech's metal fingers gripped the transport's shell, crushing the frame slightly. He dug his feet in and leaned back, bringing the vehicle back from the edge. Slowly, mindful he had wounded personnel inside, the commander backed away from the canyon, bringing all of the transport's wheels onto solid ground. You okay in there, Doc? he asked. Yes, Commander, thank you, Thomopolis responded. But Jethro is in pretty bad shape. I need time to do a full workup on him. I can't guarantee that time, Doctor. Harlow let go of the safety line, dropping the remaining twenty feet to the ground. Her knees protested and a sharp pain shot up her leg. She got to her feet shakily and knew from experience nothing was broken or sprained and she could walk off the injury, or run off the injury as the ground shuddered with the dead mech's approach. She turned to escape, but was tripped up by the slack of safety line pooled upon the ground. No, 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 she yelled, trying desperately to free her tangled feet as the debtor hit her mech at a full run. Rachel, I want you on me. We need to stay together, Caprizi ordered over the comm. Hold on. I think I have a reading on Harlow's mech, Rachel responded. What, what the fuck? What? What did you find? Caprizi asked. She's gone. One second there. Now she's not. It almost looked like a second mech was with her, but I didn't have time to assess the readings fully. Caprizi thought for a moment. Go find her, baby girl. I'm on it, Papa Bear. Rachel turned her mech and ran towards the coordinates of the last reading, hoping she'd find Harlow alive. Harlow reached for her knife, but it was too late as the slack line became taut and she was dragged unbelievably fast towards the cliff edge. She clawed at the dirt, trying to find purchase, but her fingers only came away with loose bits of rock and several bent fingernails. She screamed aloud as her right leg popped loose from its hip socket and a new agony overtook her. Within seconds, though, the pain left her mind, and she found herself in empty space, falling towards the two mechs that had just impacted on the ground far below her. What are we looking at, Doc? Is Jethro going to make it? Caprizi asked, keeping watch in his mech. I think he'll live, but his brain is deteriorating fast. It has to be damaged from the Reaper chip attack. I can keep him stable, but unless I get him hooked up to some real medical equipment, I'm afraid he's going to quickly become a vegetable. Thomopolis responded. How long? Caprizi asked. My best guess? And it's just that, a guess. Maybe a day. Caprizi sighed. Do what you can to make him comfortable. I'm already ahead of you on that. Harlow's body shook uncontrollably, racked with pain. She hung, upside down, her dislocated legs still tangled in the safety line, which was in turn caught on a rock outcropping above her. Below her, maybe a hundred feet, she could see smoke and fire billowing from the wreckage of the mechs. 
She gritted her teeth and tried to focus, to scan her surroundings, but the pain from her leg and the blood rushing to her head made it hard to think. To her right, she could see a shadow on the cliff wall, a cave. This is gonna fucking hurt, she croaked. Shrieking, fiery pain pounding at her leg, Harlow swung herself back and forth. It took all of her strength to stay conscious, but she kept on until her body was swinging past the small cave opening. She unsheathed one of her long blades and hoped she had built up enough momentum to get her into the cave. She counted three, then slashed at the safety line. For a moment, she felt the relief of freedom as she was airborne, but the relief vanished as only half her body fell into the cave, the other half dangling 100 feet above the ground. Harlow tried to center her breathing as she kicked her left leg up over the lip of the cave mouth. Her right leg, useless and hanging like dead weight, bumped the cliff wall and she gasped. Harlow focused on the pain, turning it about, using it to drive her on. I'm no fucking waster piece of shit. I'm a goddamn mech pilot. I eat pain. I shit pain. I fuck pain. She gripped the cave lip with her left thigh and pushed lifting her enough to reach out and grasp a handhold on the cave wall and pulled herself inside. Holy God, Rachel muttered as her mech stood at the edge of the drop, looking at the two demolished mechs below. Harlow, Harlow, can you hear me? She bellowed over her loudspeaker. No sooner had the words left her mouth than the plasma charges detonated, sending a flaming ball of metal and debris hundreds of feet in the air. Rachel leapt her mech back as fiery bits of shrapnel roared up the cliff face right at her. She stood there, stunned, not wanting to believe what she had just witnessed. Hey, Papa Bear, I found Harlow's mech. It's not good. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Acres. Outro music is destroyed by the Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative works, United States 3.0 license. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers. <laughs>